Good morning, people of God, family of the Lord. God is indeed our Father. Hallelujah. Amen. Romans 8 says to us, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Let this kind of soak in, marinate for a moment. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy, Daddy. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And now if we are God's children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Now, don't gloss over that. Heirs of God, that means we have an inheritance. God provides us because we are his children an inheritance. Amen? I've become a bit more loose in my retired years here, so uh, I'm going to ask you to respond every once in a while with an amen, you know, hallelujah. So anyhow, so heirs of God, but then it says, and co-heirs with Christ. Now, stop and think about that for a moment. So if I'm a co-heir with Jesus, then, wow, Jesus and I must be related in some way. Perhaps Jesus, to a certain extent, here you could say, well, he's my brother. Wow, we're co-heirs with Christ. And if indeed we share in his suffering uh, for sin in order that we may also share in his glory. Now, the key word in this particular statement from Romans chapter 8 uh, has been uh, talked about by, uh, it, and it says, Abba, Father. Well, Joachim Jeremias, a German theologian, held that this word Abba is a child's word and is used in everyday talk and that it expressed the heart of Jesus' relationship to God. And so you and I can approach God. And I'm reminded by the passage that was used last Sunday uh, that has stayed with me all week long here is the, uh, from uh, 1 John chapter 3, at the beginning, those opening verses. See what love the Father has lavished. Now, when you think of the word lavished, what comes to mind? What the Father has lavished upon us so that we are able to say to him, Abba, Father. So the word lavish to me means that, I, I mean, this is a, an immense amount of, uh, you know, have you ever, ever had a 50-gallon drum of, of uh, water just dousing you? I mean, drenched in God's love. And so we look at and consider this love of the Father for you and for me. And so on this Father's Day, I'm going to say thank you to all you dads. Thank you to all of you granddads, grandfathers, grandpas, papas, 
Uh, and in fact, uh, I think I heard recently uh, one grandfather is his uh, name is Bumpa. So, and all the Bumpas uh, that are there. Uh, and so thank you to you parents uh, for your devotion, dedication, and diligence in caring for children and raising them in the admonition of the Lord uh, and loving them so that they may again be confident and be able to endure uh, growth, uh, endure life uh, as they experience it and will be uh, one day out to confront uh, on their own. And so this morning, uh, in this past uh, couple of weeks, I've been looking at uh, Barnabas and uh, talking to Sid uh, a while back, uh, and he said that uh, he'd like to have uh, Father's Day weekend off, and I said, well, you know what, I'm going to be in town, you know, how about if I cover that for you? And he said, you know, fine, and so I, and I, I said, so any, suge any suggestions? And he said, well, why don't you consider, you know, maybe a, a character? Uh, to preach on, and, and I, so I th uh, thought, okay, well, uh, a lot of characters in Scripture, and so I, be, you know, and then I, I looked at the Sunday, you know, and I don't know if you're aware or not, but, you know, these past several weeks, this time of the year for me is really a, a favorite because it sort of begins with Ascension Sunday, followed by, which is 40 days after the resurrection, Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father. Father Almighty, uh, maker of heaven and earth, uh, and is there seated at the right hand uh, of God. And so then after Ascension Sunday comes Pentecost Sunday, 50 days after the, you know, the, the resurrection. And then following Pentecost Sunday is Trinity Sunday, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, three persons, co-equal and yet one God, the Godhead. And then after Trinity Sunday, we have Father's Day. And so I'm thinking, okay, well now I'm looking at Barnabas and Barnabas doesn't talk about his wife, doesn't talk about the fact that he has a family. Uh, and I'm thinking that, so I go on and I continue looking at Barnabas and the qualities and characteristics that are coming out. And we see Barnabas in the book of Acts. Uh, we see in Acts chapter 4, there's a passage there that mentions Barnabas. Uh, and here's what uh, that passage in the context of Acts chapter 4. It says, uh, and we're talking about the early church. You remember, uh, Jesus had ascended to the Father and he told his disciples, uh, as is recorded for us, is that he would be sending us uh, out, he would be sending uh, the Holy Spirit, and then would be sending us out into the world to carry the good news of the gospel, to tell the story of God's love and Jesus' death on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, and then our connection as children now with God the Father who is with us always. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Do you believe this? Amen. Absolutely. And so, as the early church is continuing to grow, uh, it indicates in a couple of places there, even up before chapter 4, you know, how people had all things in common. Uh, they were generous. They were kind. 
They were patient with each other. Uh, they were extending friendship and sharing uh, in everything. And plus they were uh, spending time in fellowship with one another and studying God's word. They were learning together. And so in Acts chapter four, uh, it comes to sort of a, a closing summary and it says, the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything that they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And then it was distributed to anyone as they had need. And then in verse 36 of chapter 4, it says, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. I don't know about you, but whenever I read scripture, it sort of scratch my head and say, okay, now, all right, well, why isn't anybody else being mentioned here? Why merely Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus? And so if I would have asked you, how many of you have heard of Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, because that is going to be what our sermon is about this morning. How many of you would raise your hand and say, yeah, I know who Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus. I see a hand back there. <laughs> so yeah, here I've got a Slim Jim here for you. <laughs> I love it. You know, so go ahead and, uh, you know, and, and share it. You can break these in half and uh, give half to your wife. So, but uh, the, the interesting thing here is that it says, his name is Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas. So Barnabas was his nickname. And so it, what's fascinating to me is I began to think about, you know, how many people I've met through the years whose name uh, we know them by is really not their first name, is not a given name. You know, and, and so there was uh, you know, a, a member here of the, this church and uh, his first name was, uh, knew him as Bud. Ah, but that wasn't his given first name. Or how many women, uh, and, and how many of you are going by a name that became your first name, but really is not your first name on your birth certificate? <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, well, t take some of the, you notice some of those folks so we can ask them what their first name really is at the conclusion of the service. And so here we have Barnabas, and this word Barnabas, uh, when you divide it up, it starts with uh, the, the B-A-R, which means in uh, Hebrew, uh, son. And then at the end of that, the nabas means uh, consolation or encouragement uh, or an urging or beseeching. And so Barnabas was known as a son of encouragement. It was his nickname. And why? Well, it must have something to do with his personality. Uh, and so when you read on, 
We don't hear about Barnabas again until chapter 9 of the book of Acts, when the apostle Paul, you recall, uh, in chapter 7, uh, Stephen was preaching and giving a testimony of his own faith in Jesus Christ. And at the end of that chapter, the crowd was so furious at Stephen's declaring the message of good news in Jesus Christ that the crowd took up stones and began to stone Stephen. And Stephen looked heavenward just as Jesus did and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And Stephen's life then was taken to be with God. And it says at the end of that chapter seven uh, that the apostle, a man by the name of Saul was there and those who stoned Stephen laid their coats at Saul's feet. And then in beginning of chapter eight, it begins to talk about how Saul, uh, a, a, an individual who was wanting to bring a conclusion to this Christian movement, and uh, Saul was causing terror and difficulty and arresting individuals, uh, taking them from their households and imprisoning them. Well, Saul then, as you recall, the story of Saul in Acts chapter nine, uh, Saul was on a horse and he got knocked off that horse because Jesus came to personally visit with Saul. And the result was, is that as a result of that visit with Saul, Saul became a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. The people he was persecuting, he was now going to join in and become one of their greatest advocates, uh, one of the greatest instructors, the writer of 13 books of the New Testament. And guess who it turned out to be Saul's advocate when he decided to leave Damascus and come back to Jerusalem? Well, it says in scripture that uh, in chapter nine there, it says that the disciples, uh, the leaders of the Jerusalem church, because that was really the center of Christianity at the time, and so they were scared to death. He's back. This guy's Saul. You know, so people would run the other way. Not Barnabas. Barnabas took the time to probably sit down and take him to Starbucks or sit down and have a conversation. Saul began to inquire and heard that this, uh, uh, Barnabas began to inquire about Saul and heard that Saul was a changed individual. So he probably then had a conversation with Saul and realized and believed that Saul's transformation, his new life in Christ was brand new and was new. And so what does it say there in, in uh, Acts chapter nine? It says that Barnabas took Saul to the disciples in Jerusalem to tell them Saul's story of change and transformation and having become a new disciple and follower of the Lord Jesus. Barnabas's first act of encouragement. And so when we stop and we think about, okay, how does Father's Day mix in here? Is that, well, all of a sudden, as I'm reading about Barnabas, I begin to see these attributes, these characteristics, these qualities of life that he's living out 
and saying, you know, wow, these are qualities, characteristics that not only should we all have as Christian believers, but certainly as moms and dads, as parents, as adults, as teachers, as individuals, in taking the time to, to listen, to look and watch and observe. Is everyone being included in church in some way or in some activity? Are there individuals who are coming to our fellowship here on a Sunday morning and no one's talking to them, no one's greeting them? People are standing alone. I remember my dad, uh, when I was uh, serving in uh, Boulder, Colorado, uh, and he went to uh, coffee hour after uh, the, the worship service. And uh, he had his cup of coffee and he was standing and there were people all around, but nobody approached him. And so dad being dad, uh, and you know a little bit then, you know that the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. Well, dad decided that he wasn't going to you know, stand for this. He wasn't gonna stand there alone. Uh, so he went over and he picked up a coffee pot and he began to walk around and give, fill people's cups with coffee. And, you know, hey, how are you? You know, what's going on? You know, tell me a little bit about yourself, you know? And so uh, dad was an encourager that way. And so then you have Barnabas doing that with Saul, who later in the book of Acts becomes known as Paul. And so then in Acts chapter nine, you have this encounter with Barnabas and you see who he is, somewhat courageous, somewhat bold, somewhat confident, but certainly someone who wants to include others in the communion and in the community and the fellowship. Well, then we find out a little bit more about Barnabas when it comes to Acts chapter 11, our scripture for this morning. And so the scripture here indicates to us that now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. And while they were traveling away from Jerusalem, they began spreading the word, but only among the Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. And so when we read that, when we see in the book of Acts, and it says, and began to speak to the Greeks also, that is a synonym for the Gentiles. And so now all of a sudden, the book of Acts and the fulfillment of Jesus' words, God's plan is beginning to expand and take root and begin to occur, be manifested, is that the good news, the gospel, the salvation of Jesus Christ is spreading not just among the Jews, but to all peoples throughout the world, to the ends of the earth. And here in Antioch, uh, where some of these people are located, Antioch was considered the third largest city in the Roman Empire at the time. It was known as Little Rome. Uh, it was definitely not uh, a, uh, a place of good, solid Christian or Jewish values or morals, 
Uh, it was uh, quite a, a city of uh, uh, a lot of different behaviors, a, a lot of different beliefs, a lot of polytheism uh, and idolatry. And so these individuals, new Christians and believers in Christ, began to share their faith and a church began to grow. And so the Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Well, why Barnabas? Well, as you look and consider the individuals who left Jerusalem, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, where was Barnabas from? Where was Joseph from? A Levite from Cyprus, that's right. And so he was sent to Antioch because not only was he considered to be dependable, trustworthy, you know, capable of uh, being uh, an individual who would speak clearly, plainly, and uh, had a nurturing heart, and he was supportive, and he could go and evaluate uh, what was going on there in Antioch, and so he shows up. And news of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and he encouraged them. That word encourage, you heard it in Acts chapter 4, describing son of encouragement, and now you read it again here in Acts chapter 11. He was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. And so Barnabas was a cheerleader. Yeah, this is great. Keep, keep it up. Keep doing what you're doing. Now the next verse, verse 24, says a lot in a sentence or two about Barnabas. And it's just interesting. It sort of stops. Luke, the writer, you know, it sort of stops here and he says, now, uh, let me tell you a little bit about Barnabas. Verse 24, he was a good man. What does a good man look like? What does a good man act like? Shouldn't dads be a good man? You know, I'm a father, a grandfather. Was I a good man? Hopefully most of the time. But I know I messed up. And yet, the interesting thing is that, which is important for us to remember, 1 John chapter 1, when we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to what? Forgive us our sin and to what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In 1 John chapter 2, it goes on and it talks about the fact that when we sin, you know, and it's interesting in First John there in that opening, uh, it talks a lot about sin, you know, and it says if we have no sin, it says you're a liar. <laughs> you know, John didn't mince any words because I know I'm a sinner. You know, all I have to do is stop and, and pause and, and reflect. Yeah, I am. Uh, but it says in First John chapter 2, it says that we have an advocate now with 
the Father, who's the advocate, Jesus Christ, who is the propitiation for our, in other words, the one who received our sin upon himself. And so this is all great news. You know, now you can understand why Barnabas uh, is an encourager. All right, why did he go out and he sell this big piece of property that he has? Huge piece of property. And he sells it. And what's he do with the money? He gives it away. All of it. What would motivate an individual to do that? The guy's become a fanatic. He's lost it. No, not really. He actually found it, and he was found. He became an enthusiastic, excited ambassador for this new faith in Jesus Christ that was gripping and grabbing his whole life, his mind, and his heart, and he fell in love with Jesus. Do you recall that day in your own life or days and times in your own life where you really are falling in love with Jesus? And what do you want to do? You want to go out and help somebody. You want to go out and do something. You want to participate in this community, into this activity, in this plan that Jesus has set into motion. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. Okay. Well, dads in Jesus Christ, when you're full of the Holy Spirit, that doesn't mean that you've become so heavenly-minded that you're, so, you're no earthly good. To be full of the Holy Spirit means that you're full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. And what are the last three? Faithfulness, gentleness, Self-control. I always love the way Paul put that last. Self-control. Therein lies the, you know, the, 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 maybe the greatest need. But anyhow, those nine fruit that are mentioned there, that's what it means to be full of the Holy Spirit, obedient, willing to be an encourager to others, willing to come alongside. And so a great number of people, as a result, were brought to the Lord. And so then, what does Barnabas do? He's there in Antioch. He sees all these new believers, and he's thinking, you know, me and we need to get this organized. We need to have a, uh, someone in charge uh, so we can build a church and this community in their knowledge and understanding of what God has actually done for them and what they now are supposed to do in the new lives they're supposed to be living. Well, what does Barnabas do? It tells us, uh, it, I'm glad you asked that question because it says in Acts chapter 11 here, it says, then Barnabas went to Tarsus. Well, guess who's in Tarsus? Well, because Saul wasn't being treated very nicely and wasn't being welcomed much in Jerusalem, he figured, I'm not going to hang around here. I'm going to take off and I'm going to go back to Tarsus, his hometown. So Saul disappears, he's off the radar, except Barnabas has kept track. So encouragers keep track of people. Dads keep track of their kids, don't they? That's something for us to stop and consider 
as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ? Are we staying consistent and in contact with the people that we know that have needs, concerns? Well, so Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. It's interesting, he found him. It doesn't tell us, there's all kinds of things. I wonder, okay, well, when he found him, wonder what the reunion was like. I wonder what they talked about. I wonder how Barnabas uh, convinced Saul that he should come with him to Antioch. But Barnabas, winsome character that he was, an encourager, comes and brings Saul back to Antioch with him. And so then the text says, so for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul team up as a couple of pastors, as it were, a couple of disciples, a couple of evangelists, a couple instructors, and they begin to meet with the church and they taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians for the first time at Antioch, followers of Christ. And so just like those of us today, when a group of people start to get together, we want to give them a tag, don't we? We want to call them something. Who are they? Uh, well, well, we'll just call them a club of some kind and, you know, come up with a title. Well, uh, that's essentially what Christians were, these followers of Christ, followers of the name of Christ. Disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. And so you could also say that Antioch was the first organized church in the book of Acts. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named Agabus. He stood up and, through the Holy Spirit, predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. And this happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This encouragement, characteristics and quality was becoming contagious. All of a sudden, disciples, followers of Jesus, were concerned about others, and they heard about this great famine. And so they decided to help and assist the brothers and sisters who were suffering in Judea. This they did, and they sent their gift to the elders by way of Barnabas and Saul. That's the end of our passage there, the end of chapter 11. So we read a bit more about Barnabas. And so for an entire year, Barnabas is attached. You could say, was Paul's the assistant of uh, Barnabas or was it vice versa? Or were they just a collegial team here working together? You know, hey, you take that side, I'll take this side. You get together with those folks, I'll get together with these folks. You know, we have things that we can share. We can start Bible studies, we can start small groups, we can start prayer gatherings, you know, we can start community of caring and sharing and developing uh, leadership to carry out this ministry that Jesus has given to us. Barnabas. Before today, how much did you really know about Barnabas? How much did I know before today about Barnabas? I hadn't really paid that much attention to Barnabas. Do you know then that the first missionary journey took place and started with the Apostle Paul and Barnabas out of the church at Antioch? 
and they were commissioned to go and spread the good news to other locations. And so from the church at Antioch, which is up in northern Syria at the time uh, of the early church, but now would be southern Turkey, uh, they went from Antioch over to Cyprus. They went to Barnabas' home area to communicate the gospel and share the gospel. And then they went up into Asia Minor and began to, to travel uh, around. As a matter of fact, uh, as I began to uh, think uh, of this, I wonder how many churches they actually planted and what it was involved in that first missionary journey. Well, they took a boat to the Roman province of Cyprus, and then uh, they went from Cyprus, uh, and from there they traveled to Pamphylia, and from Pamphylia they went on to the city of Perga, and John Mark was with them at this time, and so together, Paul and Barnabas traveled to Pisidian Antioch, where local synagogue leaders invited them to speak. Uh, they went to a place called Phrygia, and they're creating this huge circle of travel. Barnabas and Saul, and then John Mark. And interestingly enough, John Mark figures into this story of Barnabas. John Mark, as it turns out, was a cousin of Barnabas. Well, at the end of that first missionary journey, and when they were planning the second one, uh, and uh, Barnabas and Paul were sitting down and talking about it, and this is in Acts 15 now, and there is a great, it says, uh, there was a, a pretty strong disagreement that developed between Paul and Barnabas. Well. Part of it was because Barnabas wanted John Mark to go with them again. Well, it turns out that John Mark, in that first missionary journey, uh, decided he was done, and so he turned around and left. Well, Paul didn't take to that very kindly. And so he had some bad thoughts and feelings and opinion of John Mark, and so he did not want John Mark to go on this second missionary journey. What did Barnabas, the encourager, do? He said, well, you know what? He said, I'm gonna stay with John Mark. and I, I'm gonna have him stay with me. I'll disciple him, I'm going to work with him. And so Paul and Barnabas decide to separate company. Guess who wrote the first book, the first gospel? John Mark, the book, the gospel of Mark. The Gospel of Mark is said to have, by New Testament scholars, heavily influenced the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke. John Mark, deadbeat, guy who abandoned the mission, guy who turned away, Barnabas. Any qualities, characteristics there that we could consider involvement, engagement, you know, don't give up. Stay with someone, be patient, kind, encouraging, develop them, give them time, and guess what? Interestingly enough, Barnabas, as we get to know him and we see his travels, 
starting with that Acts chapter 4. Now, when you look at that name Barnabas, there's a Greek word that maybe you've heard. Paraclete. And who is called the paraclete? The Holy Spirit. Why? Because Jesus in John chapter 14 promised the disciples as he was preparing them for his departure. He said, now don't be afraid, don't get concerned because even though I'm going away, I'm sending you another comforter, another encourager. I'm sending the Holy Spirit. And where does the Holy Spirit then take up residence when the Holy Spirit comes? The Holy Spirit is alive in you and in me and is giving and developing in us this fruit that we know as love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, it's at this point that I stop, and I wasn't going to get away from, you know, being having, having this opportunity to preach and it, without reminding you, is now if God has put love and joy in your heart, then have your heart notify your face. Some of you are demonstrating that right away. And so as the Holy Spirit comes, then takes up residence within us, the paraclete, the paracletos. Uh, and this is what son of encouragement. So son of paracletos is the Greek word. And so a comforter, a consoler. And when you look at, remember I said John, 1 John chapter 2, is that it says there that uh, we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and forgives us our sins, but whenever we look at it and are, we're sinful, and so then we, we, we don't need to worry because we have what? We have an advocate with the Father. And Jesus Christ is our advocate. Guess what the word advocate in Greek is? Paraclete. Wow. So Barnabas, an encourager. Barnabas, an advocate. Barnabas, someone who will not let you go, will not give up on you, but will stay with you and will seek to develop you and encourage you and urge you and beseech you to serve the Lord with your abilities, your gifts, your time, your talents, even your wealth. And that Holy Spirit is with you and with me. And so in chapter two there of 1 John, again, just to remind you, it says, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, <clears throat> that's pretty likely we have an advocate with the father 
Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Barnabas, have you met him? Would you like to know him better? Does he remind you of anybody you know? Do you have any of the qualities or the characteristics that certainly must have been a part uh, of his life? What does it take to be a good dad? What does it take to be a good follower or a good man and a good follower of the Lord Jesus? I began to think of some qualities and characteristics. Barnabas must have been supportive. He was unselfish, certainly was generous. He was a man of faith and a man of courage. I mean, to go off with the Apostle Paul and to go into these various places where Christianity was not very welcome and the message of Christianity was not welcome, certainly among the Jews or even among the, the pagan population. And we know how many times the Apostle Paul went through persecution and experience. Well, Bar it does, we don't hear about Barnabas, but Barnabas was there with him. He was Paul's sidekick in that first missionary journey in all those locations. He was humble. He was willing to go off and get the apostle Paul. In other words, he wasn't territorial. He, said, he didn't say, you know what? I'm going to make this Antioch fellowship my church. And this is going to be my church. Well, that's, you know, this is not our church. This is Jesus' church. And you know what we're doing? We're trying to be faithful ambassadors here and carry out the administration of what Jesus is wanting to do through you and through me here in this location day in and day out. And this year we're going to be celebrating our 75th anniversary as a congregation. That takes us back to 1948. If I, is my math right? And so what do we look like as a congregation? Are you encouraged? Are you excited? Are you enthusiastic about what God is calling you to do and to be? It requires some humility and recognition that I need God's help and assistance and strength. So as we look at being faithful, committed, personable, relational, I think as well, I think of God our Father, and I think of dads and moms and parents and who we are as followers of the Lord Jesus. And God is our provider, and he's extended that desire in you and me to provide for the needs and cares of others, to offer protection, to give and extend instruction to be a helpers and to be examples. One of the statements that I remember being given in seminary and I know I've shared it with you many times is never minimize because sometimes instead of feeling confident and bold, we want to sort of wither away. We become timid 
And we don't want to take ourselves too seriously. And so we assume that nobody else is really taking us very seriously either. But don't ever minimize the impact that you may be having on another person's life with an act of kindness, a word of friendliness, a cup of coffee that you've picked up and are distributing throughout Fellowship Square. The word of the Lord today is that we're looking at a very, very faithful ambassador, a representative of the kingdom of God, a representative and enthusiastic and an excited individual about the mission of Jesus Christ in the world. How about you and me? Are we enthusiastic and excited about the ministry that we could be having, can have, are having, should have? Are we? Now I want you to turn and look at each other and say, my, you look a lot like Jesus today. All right, as Barnabas, allow the Holy Spirit to fill us and we become encouragers to the world around us. Amen.